this is Canada Reads American Style, featuring two friends who love Canada Reads and Canadian literature. Welcome our host Rebecca from Michigan and Tara from Ontario. Hi everyone, it is Rebecca and Tara and today is book chat number 15. Yay. Yay. <laughs> I know. I mean, I, I feel like I've said so many times before, like, oh, someday it'll be podcast or I mean, book chat number 209 or something. But can you we're imagine? At 15, we're at 15. Yeah. Even 15 is a lot because we've been doing them monthly, right? So that's over a year of book chat. Yeah, we have. I think we have pretty consistently been doing that. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I think we've had a weird wonky week. I'll I'll say this and see if you agree with it. Okay. We've had a weird wonky week because we've had some bizarre weather. We had like 60 mm. degree. Well, I don't know. Okay. I'm going to say it in Fahrenheit because that's all I know. You can always jump in with Celsius, but yeah. we had like 60 degrees, which was like a spring day, which nobody wants to see in February in the Midwest no. here. And then today we had like three inches of snow. Yeah. So us too. go figure. It's weird. February, but not the right kind of February. I know, you know, because you know what it does—it just upsets me when I think about climate yeah. change because this is not the way it is supposed to be. So, yeah. while and it's funny too because people here always complain about cold weather, but now interestingly, they will say like, "Oh, it was nice weather, but we shouldn't be having it." Yeah. So even the people who don't like cold weather are also feeling the pain of this change, right? not right yeah so uh what are you currently reading do you want to mention what you're currently reading so i am current my current fiction read is it's an older book from 2011 i'm going to show rebecca because we're doing this by uh uh, video like a video chat so i'm going to show you the pretty cover and it's called the song of achilles by madeline miller and the covers like this beautiful turquoise which is one of my favorite colors and the gold helmet it's really pretty and it is um she is the author of circe which came out a few years ago which i loved so then i picked this one up last spring when my husband and i went to new york we went to corning new york and they had a really cute little bookstore downtown there called card carrying books i believe and so this i picked it up there yeah it was really cute little store um and it is a retelling of achilles and the trojan war but from the point of view of his best friend patroclus and it is really really good it's i am like devouring it every time i get a chance like two minutes of reading i'm just like flipping through it so good but this is what this comes into uh, one of your, I think, I don't know if it's a favorite kind of genre, but like mythology, right? Would you say that's a pretty high on your list yeah. of books that you like? Yeah. I like anything mythology. And especially when it's got like a feminist slant, with which this one does, even though it's the two main characters are males, it still has this feminist slant. And I like, I dig that. I have a book to talk about today that Mm. has has that a little bit in it so you might actually like what I'll talk about a little bit later I think Mm. I will can you tell me what you're reading currently I can't (laughs) (laughs) I can't tell you what I'm reading currently because it is it is part of a series and I've and I'm going to talk about book one today okay and really promote it and then I am reading book two because 
uh, oh, I don't want to say anything more because then you'll guess what it, you'll yeah. guess what it is. So I want you to be surprised. Save it. I like a surprise. I will save that. Yeah. Okay. So do you want to then, and, and I will say this, everybody, Tara and I talked beforehand and a couple things. One, we had nothing really going on in our lives that we wanted to banter no. about. So we jumped right into what are we currently reading? And then the second thing is, because I know I will probably reference it, but we did a podcast, we recorded a podcast last week that will actually not will not be posted until the end of February. So you may hear us in that podcast reference books that we talk about today. So it's a little bit out of sequence, but that's how we wanted to do it. So that's what we did, right? Okay. We do what we want. Yeah, we you know, we are bad. One. We're badass bitches. We do bad what we want. <laughs> tell me what I can read or not read <laughs> yeah, in order or not in order. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, all right. But I so, will never read a series out of order. Hell no. No. <laughs> have you ever done that by the way? No. Okay. No, I did it I once. Accid- so. I did it once accidentally and it was hilarious because it was a series uh, and I cannot remember. It's, it's, I think it's called the Russ Van Alston mysteries, but the, I can't remember the female's name, but it was this series of books and she was an Episcopal priest and he was a cop. And anyway, they, they meet, you know, blah, blah, blah. He's married, blah, blah, blah. And I read one of them out of order and some major thing happened in like book oh. three and I'm reading book four and I'm going, well, what the hell, How, what happened? So I tell my sister turned me onto the series and I said, what the hell happened with this? And she went, don't you remember when X, Y, Z happened? And I went, I'm sorry, what? And it happened at the end of book three oh. and it was a big cliffhanger thing. So I was so traumatized by reading it out of order <laughs> that I will never forget that is what I did. The only time in my life I've read something out of order. Yeah. Crazy. I know. Okay. All right. Okay. So, what? Well, sorry. So what are you, <laughs> what do you want to talk about first? <laughs> okay. Let's go with my, let's go with, okay. Who's Afraid of Gender? So it's a nonfiction book by Judith Butler. Um, it's not published yet. So I got it as a ARC advanced reader copy from NetGalley. Uh, So Judith Butler is an American philosopher and gender studies scholar. Who's Afraid of Gender is her latest book, so which will be published March 13th, 2024. And it is essentially her, or sorry, their Judith Butler's take on how the fear of gender is fueling reactionary politics worldwide. Yes. Oh, yeah. So it is very academic. It is a very academic book, but mm-hmm. very interesting. I found mostly it just filled the gaps in my knowledge of not gender theory is not the right word, but that's what term I'm going to use. Mm-hmm. Just it filled my it filled gaps where I didn't have full information. So, but then also it just also blew everything up in terms of the history of this anti-gender rhetoric that's going on and its connection to the Vatican, evangelical Christianity, right-wing politics, turfs, like the whole blows it all up. And it's, you know, really deep dives into it. So is this all from you having read this book, does it go back in history or does it, is it a fairly new thing on the scene 
in terms it of is, it goes back further like I thought it was fairly new but it goes mm-hmm. back several decades yeah I wondered about which, that yeah, yeah which I didn't realize like I thought it was not really knowing I just you kind of just started hearing about it a few years ago right but it's really the seeds for it were all planted several decades ago often by the Vatican oh you know not to that's yeah, interesting mm-hmm mm-hmm how how many pages is it? I'm just curious. Is it like a big, thick academic kind of book or no? I don't no? know. So I read a digital copy of it, and mm-hmm. I would say, no, it's not really thick. It's maybe about 250 to 300. Oh, yeah. Okay. Which is yeah. not bad, actually. Which, yeah. for an academic one, I think if it had been any longer, then I might have been like, found mm-hmm. it to be a bit of a slog. And it was at times very dry academic, right? And sometimes I'd be like, I don't know what that word means, blah. But, you know, you just... <laughs> keep reading or you google it you know you know I look up in the dictionary kind of thing so but it was very good yeah Yeah. I enjoyed it that's interesting yeah 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 I mean it's I'm more informed do I feel better about the attack on gender that's going on no if anything I think it's more fearful for what's going on in the world but all right we'll have to talk offline at some point because I want you to tell me more about the Vatican link because that's really fascinating. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. is really, I tell you. Yeah, I know. Let's face it, most of what's. Well, I'm not going to say that, but you know what I'm saying. I know. Okay. Yeah, we're yeah. we're doing, we got a little vibe thing going. I'm like, yep. I know. Especially now that we can see each other, we're like, yes, yeah, we like, get it. Yeah, yeah, we get it. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, the first book I want to talk about, and I am going to talk about this for like. I'm not going to say timey because I know I'll go over 30 seconds, but I want to just mention 15,000 pieces Mm. by Gina Leola Woolsey, who Tara actually read the book and on our book chat number 13, she gave a great review of it. So you can always go back. That was on December 12th. You can go back and listen to that and hear more detail from Tara. And then also on January 29th, she did an interview with Gina which was a fabulous interview. It was so fascinating. And that was just obviously very recently. Um, But I do want to just mention a couple things. And you may have said this, but I read the book obviously after that, both of those podcasts. But just a couple of things I want to mention about it, which um, one is it's fantastic creative nonfiction. And what I mean by that, I'm not really sure what the world means by that, but here's what I think of as creative nonfiction, which is that it is really well-researched. A lot of people are interviewed in the process and it's almost as if you are a a fly on the wall in many different places and can be right there in the moment that all these things are happening. Whether it's an, a, a, a thing that is happening or a conversation between two people, you just feel more like you are absolutely there in the middle of it and getting almost like both sides of it or many sides of, of whatever it is. And I think Gina did a spectacular job in researching and interviewing so many people. It took her about 10 years to write the book over time. And I just thought that was amazing. And it's a quick read. It's really accessible. I think it's fascinating and highly recommend. But I will say one thing that the main character, Dr. John Butt, was not always a good person. Like mm-hmm. I had a lot of issues with him. Like I was yeah. sometimes getting really angry or feeling frustrated or feeling like I want to punch this guy. I did actually get kind of irritated on a number of occasions, but Hey, who doesn't love a flawed character? Right. So yeah. 
that's what makes the book really fascinating is that people do not hesitate. The people she interviewed do not hesitate to call him to task publicly and say things about him that are kind of shocking. But yeah, but here's my number one big thing about the book that I would say, I want to know, I want a book from his ex-wife because it was like, and and it had to be because it's the nature of the thing, but her, their marriage and her experience was not really talked about at all. And I am so fascinated. Like I want to hear her side of everything. And of course that will never happen and that's okay. But I like to just picture this woman reading that book going, what the fuck? You know, I I think, I think she probably did. So anyway, highly recommend along with Tara, 15,000 pieces by Gina Leola Wolseley. Yeah. Great book. Great book. Okay. I'm going to continue, not with the same theme, but kind of a theme in that our books are very kind of serious, like dark, deep books. I feel like we're getting some deep books here. I'm going to continue. It's winter. I think that's it's what we winter. get in Maybe winter. That's Maybe that's it. Maybe that's know. it. I can't remember what my third book is. Oh, okay. Yep, yep, yep. But my second book, let's, that's what I'm talking about now. I'm going to stop jumping ahead. Um, my second book is Love and Rain by Carmela Circelli. So the setup, it's a novel that explores the nature of love. It's often accompanying pain and the near impossibility of its enduring happiness. So that's the overall arc of it. But it moves in space and time from near present day Toronto to Montreal, then Rome in the 60s and 70s, following the life stories of an immigrant Italian family, uh, a family that left Italy decades before to move to Canada. And then actually ends up several of its members moving back to Italy, which I found really interesting too. It also traces the individual rebellion and social revolution that marked the FLQ. Now, forgive my French pronunciation here because I'm terrible, but uh, FLQ is the Front de Liberation du Québec in Quebec and the Red Brigades in Italy in the late 1970s. So I really enjoyed this book way more than I thought it would. I was in when um it was Halle Gaudry from River Street Writes that again recommended this book. I was intrigued because of the FLQ movement, which I know about, but I didn't real I don't know a lot. I was like a baby when it all happened. So I'm like I kind of intrigued, but I wasn't sure how much I would I was afraid it was going to be one of those um like a literary book. That's a, that keeps you at a distance, mm-hmm. but it's not a very, it's a very, like, I found myself like drawn into this story of this family that starts, we start, I can't remember the main character's name at the beginning, but you get her story first and what's going on with her and she's out of sorts and stuff. And then you're thrown back into the story of the sixties and seventies, which helps explain her present situation in present day Toronto. I don't know if I've explained that really well, but I was like, I really enjoyed it. I'm going to look at a couple of my notes here. Oh, yeah. So like I liked I enjoyed the um, having the FLQ events kind of reflected in this uh, brigade movement in Italy. Uh, You got to follow the characters from beginning to end, even secondary characters, which I really like knowing sometimes these characters that just pop in. I like mm-hmm. knowing what happens in their lives. So you get that because some of the characters that you meet at the beginning who are older, 
you then get to see them as youth in oh, Italy, I like which I know I really like that. Uh-huh. Uh, there were musical references throughout because it's also like an ode to music. And I just, this oh. was, I just, before I kind of clued into the musical references, I was, was reading it. I'm like, kind of feel like I'm reading a Leonard Cohen book. Like when I was, I felt like I had that kind of feeling of when I was a university student and started reading Leonard Cohen. I'm like, I feel like I'm reading Leonard Cohen. But then I started looking at the titles. Uh, it's not chapters, it's more sections. The titles are actually song titles, either by there is Leonard Cohen. Oh, I wrote my books downstairs. Joni Mitchell is referenced there. I think the, was it the Beatles? I don't think it was the Beatles, but another group from the sixth. So I loved that. And then music was just carried throughout the book, even in the, for the characters and stuff. So I thought that was really cool because I love little hidden references. I don't yeah. always figure them out, but when I do, it like, like, well, look at me figuring out the <laughs> reference. So I love that. And then there's also um, natural elements. So like the trees, the wind, the sea that are carried throughout the book, kind of like in the background, and then they would push their way forward. So I really like that. Oh. There's a lot to this book. There's a lot in the book. Now, let me ask you, is FLQ, is that during the time when like Quebec wanted to secede from Canada? Is that what that whole yes. thing yeah, is Yes, yeah, when they wanted yeah, okay. to, um, the FLQ was considered a terrorist group by the government. Wow. Yes, yes. And they wanted to create an independent and social socialist Quebec. And they went through that mean, they tried to get to that through, um, violent means kidnapping and even involved. Oh, that's right. Killing a politician. Yes, that's right. I do remember reading about that and that not that long ago within the last few years. I remember reading up on that. Oh, yeah, it's very interesting. And then when the characters, so this family members of the family who moved from Italy to Montreal to get away kind of from the poverty that they had in Italy and then they moved to Montreal and then the FLQ happens a couple decades later. So they, some of them actually went back to Italy, but then there was another, uh, the brigade movement that was going on and with protests and shootings and stuff happening there at universities and against the fascist government and stuff like this. So is the person who wrote the book, is she like, is it Quebecer? Is that how you say it? I think um, or Quebecois. I don't think she is. I think I'm just curious, like what made her? That's yeah. a really interesting parallel between that movement and the yeah. Italian movement. Like what drew her to that? Let that's me interesting. see, because I know she is actually a registered psychotherapist. Because that also plays. There's a theme of that as well in the book, Ooh. psychotherapy. But she is at the moment. She lives in Toronto. Went to school in Toronto. Oh, wait, now I'm looking at another Writers Union of Can- Canada. Uh, born in southern Italy and grew up in Montreal. Oh, and moved to Toronto in 1976 to study philosophy. So there's the Wow. Link. Okay, yeah. so she's got all that connection to the yeah. story. Well, that's really, that sounds absolutely fascinating yeah yeah and yeah and I did look at that one and I at the time I just thought oh I don't know anything about both movements too much so that's Mm -hmm. why I kind of passed on that one but that does sound pretty interesting yeah it was very good yep job good review I like that oh thank you 
I felt like I was all over the place, but there's a lot going on in this book. It was difficult to kind of just keep it very succinct. So, yeah. Okay. So I want to talk about, oh, and I have, oh, but see, I can't even show it to you because the cover, I got two books mm-hmm. and they, because they came through my library system statewide in Michigan, they put the stinking label to check out like right on the front of the book. So you, oh. it covers up and you can't peel it off and they tell you not to peel it off. And one day I did peel it off and then I couldn't stick it back on. It was horrible. So <laughs> I, I'm not going to touch it anyway. Can't even show you the cover, but I have Amelia and me by mm. Heather Stemp, yeah. who is the mother-in-law of one of our good friends, Jen Bookfiend. And it was so funny because Jen told me her mother-in-law is publishing the third book in the Ginny Ross series and asked if I was interested in reading it. And I said, yeah, because it's a juvenile book, juvenile historical fiction about Amelia Earhart as a sort of tangential character. But... Oh, and so I finished that one, Amelia and Me, and then the second book is, and of course now I don't have it in front of me, but it's the second one in the series, which I will have it in the show notes because now I can't friggin' remember what it is. But anyway, so sorry about that, everybody. But here's the thing. This is fabulous juvenile historical fiction. I mean, I even told Jen, I said, I'm not just saying this because this is your mother-in-law. Like, I love this book. It reminds me why I love juvenile historical fiction, because I learned something. It makes me want to know more about a subject. And so basically, the story is about Ginny Ross, who lives in Newfoundland and just becomes enamored of Amelia Earhart. So it's set in the, the first book is set in 1932. 31 to 32 or 32 to 33. I can't remember now. But anyway, here's what's amazing about the book. All of the characters in the book are real people. So Heather's family, all of these people are real. And she shows in the back of the book photographs of all of the people in front of this family store, you know, this little cart that they, this young man hooked his dog to that they could pull around and everything. And then Ginny, her I think is her aunt in real life, she literally gave a thermos of hot soup to Amelia Earhart when she flew from cool. Newfoundland to Paris. So there's a picture of Amelia holding that thermos in the book. So anyway, so basically what she's done is she's created this story of real people, but this connection to Amelia and Ginny wants, she's 12 going on 13. She wants to be a pilot. She wants to be the next Amelia Earhart. And I mean to tell you, I loved it. It's an engaging story. If anyone out there is listening and you have young readers who I would say are between the ages of say seven to 12, this would be a great book for them. If you have children who love to be read to with a chapter book, whatever age, whether they're under seven or over 12. Again, this would be a fabulous book to read aloud. Short chapters. So if they're going to bed, you can read a quick chapter, a couple of chapters. It keeps you hanging on every word just because it's just, it's like, okay, I'm just going to say it. And I don't mean this in a respectful or disrespectful way. I'm not even sure how to put it, but it reminds me of Anne of Green Gables. Like you're reading it and it just has this vibe to it that just feels so 
magical of that time period. And I don't know. But one of the things I do want to mention, and I think what I loved more than anything, is when I was a kid and read books, usually the people who went out and had adventures were boys, right? So the boys were able to just go off and, you know, Huckleberry Finn and Tom Sawyer, they just went off and did their thing. And and you didn't really get to read about girl characters who did it. But in this first book, Ginny literally takes a train across Newfoundland, takes a ferry across to Nova Scotia, gets a train to Boston to find Amelia, who had written her a letter. And then she's not there, so she has to find her way to New York and she gets robbed in Boston and she has to make her way there with no money. And I was like, you know, when I was a kid, I wanted to read about girl characters who did Mm -hmm. stuff like that, stuff like that. Yeah. Because there's just something really magical about being a kid, but having this power and this, you know, just adventurous, lifestyle that they go out and just anything is possible. Now in the real world, would that have been possible? Probably not, but I just loved it for that. I'm I've started book two and now she is going to Purdue university to get an engineering degree. Ginny is. And, and in real life, Amelia Earhart was like a consultant or something trying to get more girls and women into the field of engineering and being a pilot. So she literally was at Purdue University, which I didn't know. But anyway, I love this book so much. And I want anybody who's out there, if you know a teacher, if you have people, young people in your life that you go to your library and they don't have it, request them to purchase these books. All three of the titles will be in the show notes. The third book comes out April 16th of this year. I cannot wait to read it. And I want to interview Heather because I just need to hear more about her how she crafted this amazing story out of her real life family. So loved it, loved it, loved it. Amazing. I will then also, I'm going to add on to it that I think this won't be for young readers, but for others who were interested, the, the recent Helen Humphreys book that I read leaving earth is a beautiful partnering with that book. Yes. Right. Because it's about two women in the 30s That's who do, right. the, do the flight trip and there's That's actually right. a young girl who's on the ground who is enamored of the one who's the most famous who watches them throughout the uh, trip like can watch them circle around so you got to add that you you must read it yes okay so here's I think that's a great idea for a podcast one day we should do like you do an adult title I'll do a, a comparable kids title and then we could yeah we could you could kind of, people could get kind of both sides of something like that. Yeah, yeah, that sounds fun. That's a brilliant pairing. So thank you for sharing that. I'm going to add that again to the show notes. Uh, yeah, thank you. Okay, yeah. cool. All right. What what do you have next? Okay, my third choice is a cheat. I cheat it. I cheat it big time. You cheat a lot. Well, not a lot, but you have <laughs> cheated in the past, but yes. I am, I'm totally <laughs> cheating because I'm like, oh, I can't pick something. So I chose the remaining of the Canada Reads shortlist is what I read. So I read the last three books and I'm, and one of them you will hear my thoughts on in the next episode that's going to air after this one. And the other two you've heard, one you've heard Rebecca has discussed, you know, so I, they've been mentioned. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to lump them together. Plus when we do our Canada Reads, 
when everything starts, we're going to hear a lot about these books anyway. So I don't, I'm not going mm-hmm. to spend a lot of time on setting them up. I'm just going to put them as my third okay. book that I read the remaining of my Canada Reads shortlist book. And those were Meet Me at the Lake by Carly Fortune, a romance. Uh, Denison Avenue by Christina Wong with Daniel Innes, the illustrator. I think that both Rebecca and I are agree that this is the book we want to win. Although I'd be happy with the future as well, but those are my two choices. And the third book is Shut Up, You're Pretty by Taya Matanji, which is like a linked collection of short stories about a young woman, young girl, two young women growing up in Scarborough. So there we go. That's all I'm going to say, because I'm going to leave the rest, leave the rest for uh, our Canada Reads discussions and debates. But um but I'm like, I got to bring, I think I'm just going to bring, boom, just bring those that I just, I read them. You don't want to give a hint of anything on any of those three? I don't, I'm just asking. Okay. If you don't, you don't have no, to. I don't mind. Okay. So okay. of these three, so now I've, the fourth, the fourth one is uh, the future. Fifth was Bad Cree. So I'm going to go with, I would love to see Denison Avenue win. If not Denison Avenue, then the future. Mm-hmm. I also loved Bad Cree. So I would, if Bad Cree ended up winning, like if he can defend it, which I think he can. He seems very charming. When I, um, Dallas Soonsi, I believe is his name, heard an interview with him lately. And uh, I think he could do it, although he is a little self-deprecating. So he's, throughout the interview, he would say negative things about himself. So I'm like, uh-oh, got to yeah. like take that under control. But I, yeah. I could see him doing that. So then um, Meet Me at the Lake by Carly Fortune. I did read. I finished it because I wanted to know what happened, but I didn't love it. And you listen to the next episode after that and you'll hear my whole rant about that book. I even ranted about it, even though I hadn't read it. And I apologize in advance because I think I ranted as well. <laughs> uh, but I, I apologize too. I still read it. I I, need, I had to read it. I had to find out, but I didn't. You know, I, I don't think it should be on the short list there. I said it. I don't think it should mm-hmm. be on the short list. And Shut Up, You're Pretty, the short story collection just wasn't for me. Yeah. So I've heard um, other takes on it, which and I can see. And I was like, oh, like, you know, I'm like, okay. And I'm looking forward to hearing it defend it because I want to, not what I miss, but I just want to get someone else's take on it. And uh, I want to hear it defend it, but it wasn't a book for me. You know, I think it's funny because I'm reading more people saying that they're, that it's not a book for them either, that they're not really, they didn't really enjoy it. So it's interesting because again, I can't really remember it and I can't get a copy of it, but uh, in time, but again, I gave it four stars. I think I generally liked it, but I'm hearing more people saying they didn't care for it as opposed to they did. So I agree with you. I can't wait to see it defended. And I'm hoping that it will trigger some memory of of what the book was because I thought they were standalone stories and they're linked. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Main main characters were linked and I'm like, what the hell, man? I don't know what I was thinking. but And again, the defender, I can't remember the defender's name. But I heard an interview with her on CBC with Ali, and I think she could do, mm-hmm. she's going to be a strong defender. So oh, good. I'm really excited to see what she does and says with this book. But 
Yeah. yeah. Cannot wait. Yeah. I'm very excited. So I kind of like having books that I didn't like be in the short list, actually, as opposed to like liking them all. Yeah, that's true. Because it does give you a little more just something. I mean, I think it's easy to just sit back and go, oh, I loved them all. You know, yeah, it's always, yeah. oh, I loved them all. And then you're just kind of torn. But I think it's kind of cool to have sometimes... That's how I felt. I don't know if it was two years ago or something during the pandemic year. There were a couple that I was just like, ugh, just wasn't feeling it at all yeah. and everything. So, yeah, I do think it's okay to yeah. have a year like that every once in a while. So Exactly. Okay, so what's your next book? I can't think of another book that has made me think about it this long and in the ways that I've been thinking about it than Bird Suit by oh. Sydney Hegley. And I think in the podcast that'll follow this one, I pronounced their name incorrectly. So it is Hegley. And this was a book that came to us through a publicist. And I said, sure, this sounds really fascinating. And um, I, okay, it's high, coming highly recommended. And so now I do want you at some point, I feel like you you need to read this book because yeah, I do I think it's fascinating. Yeah. I'm going to actually read my review of it. Otherwise, I'm going to just, you know, garble it up because it is kind of a weirdly complicated sort of backstory a little bit. So here's my, what I wrote. Every summer, tourists flood tiny Port Peter for the luscious peaches, crowded boardwalk, and Lake Legea's dark green water. Nine months after the season ends, the local girls with limited options give birth and then head up to the cliffside and leave their babies in a white plastic laundry basket, knowing that the bird women who live in the depths of the lake will raise them. Georgia, who is our main character, was rejected at birth by the bird women and is thus retrieved and raised by her mother, Elsie, who is the town's taxidermist. Despite there being few economic or educational opportunities in Port Peter, Georgia seems stuck in limbo until her mother's former roommate, Reverend Arlo Bloom, moves into the local vicarage with his wife, Felicity, and son, Isaiah. That's the very beginning of the book. And Georgia is this really compelling character because she is a young woman who is really hard on herself and she's she makes a lot of mistakes she blames herself for a lot of things that are not her fault but then she meets this what i would say monster arlo bloom this reverend mm -hmm. and everything that happens as a result of that meeting and that relationship powers the rest of the story so the, here are some of the themes that I wanted to just touch base on. So first of all, this is the mythology piece, right? So bird suit, I looked up bird suit because I didn't know what bird suit was. So basically, you know, the sirens that used to call, they would sit out like on a rock or something and they would call the sailors to their death. They would be very mm -hmm. seductive and they would call them out. I guess that's, they were, I guess what they wore or something, it was like a bird suit because they were part woman, part bird. So they would call these men out and, and there's also the idea too, that they could be, I guess, like mermaids or something, but that the bird suit thing is it's really bird women. And so in the story, she flips that mythology. So I love that. And that's all I'm going to say. She sort of flips okay. that mythology. Okay. That's number one. That's one of the thing I, things I wanted to say. The fact that there is an Anglican priest 
and he's the head of a church and there's all these things that are going on. Sydney is very, I read a lot about, about them and they are a faithful person. They go to church. They today was, or the other day was Ash Wednesday and they had an ash on their forehead. So they are somebody who has a faith background, but you can tell maybe perhaps she has some issues there. So there's that compelling aspect of the story. It has so many layers to it that I reread the book and I just kept, which I don't normally do, but I kept thinking like, I need to connect these dots and how are these dots? And then as I started to connect them, here's what I came away with. Like the whole point of these peaches, it represents female sexuality, fruitfulness, giving birth, you know, that, that whole thing. So there's that real iconic image of this community that just is inundated with peaches and female sexuality and there's a queer love story in it. I mean, there's just so many layers that I I just couldn't stop thinking about how it all connected. And I can't remember a book I've read that made me do that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That I actually mm-hmm. went back and reread it because yeah. I just kept thinking, wait a minute. Because I'd think, think to myself, wait a minute, how did this happen with this character? And then I would start to go back and go, oh my God, I completely missed this. So I think that Sydney is a brilliant author and that they wrote the pump which was had won awards and everything did you ever read the pump by the way yeah I remember when it came out it just sounded a little odd for me Mm -hmm. but I think now that I've read this one I want to go back and read the pump because I think Sydney Hegley is an author that has a unique point of view and just has a lot to say in a really seems simple, but very complex way to get her message out. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm loving it because I love the name. Like I love the alliteration for Peter Peaches, Georgia Peach. She's a George Peach. I mean, that's Bloom, Arlo Bloom. Like the names are fantastic. Exactly. And that's why I say the story is you could read it as part mythology and part magic realism, part realistic because there are, there's, well, I don't want to say that because I don't want to give that away, but there are so many things about life and death and shame and faith that I just, I want someone else to read it. And then I need to talk about it because Mm -hmm. that's how much I love this book. I'm reading. And my goal is I would love to reach out to Sydney and see if we can't get them to chat with us. Yeah. So after you've read it, I would love to see if we could reach out to them and see if they would yeah. join us. It's on my list. I'm going to hunt for it. It comes out May 7th. So if you haven't had a chance to get it on your TBR, I really highly recommend it. And I would love to know what you think. I'm looking forward to that one. Even like, I, anyways, yeah, I could, I haven't even read the book and I'm like deep diving into the names. Yeah. I know I started looking up their names. Like I looked up Arlo and, you know, Arlo is not a biblical name. And then of course, Arlo's wife is Felicity. And of course that has yeah. a meaning. And then their son, Isaiah. So I looked up what Isaiah meant in the Bible. So that's why I say there's just all these little like gems that you can, these hidden gems and maybe not so hidden. Maybe everybody else will read it and be like, what the heck? Of course I understood all this, but I just was reading it for the story. And then I would yeah. be like, oh my God, like this yeah. is how it's connected. And again, what I love is it does go back and show people when they were younger and yeah. So I, 
I love Georgia. I love the story. I love Sydney. And I want to just say, please read Bird Suit and let me know what you think. It sounds amazing. So good. I think that's it. I think we've come to the end of another book chat. Let us know what you've been reading and happy reading. Thank you for joining us on our bookish journey. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing, rating, and reviewing Canada Reads American Style wherever you listen. You can connect with the podcast and Rebecca on Instagram at Canada Reads American Style and with Tara at On a Branch Reads. Until next time, keep reading. <laughs>